Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown 24-7 Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is John Fields. John, how are you doing today? You know, not too bad, man. Got to watch a competitive game of football last night. It's uh, cold weather recently has been nice as well, um, but man, it's really got my allergies flaring up on me, so apologies in advance if my voice sounds a little off at times during this podcast, but trying to power my way through. That's all right. This podcast had to listen to Colin for four years, so (laughs) (laughs) only only better from there. (laughs) Anyways, um, like you said, uh, we got to watch some competitive football, um, not just around the country, but also, I guess, North Texas, at least in the fourth quarter. Um, And we will recap the game. We'll give our thoughts. We'll. Uh, you know, do all the uh, the usual stuff. I'll I'll be less ranty today for those who listen to the UAB podcast. Um, that was definitely, you know, my thoughts on the whole situation. I still think that everything that I said on that podcast, I still think it's applicable to this game, even no matter, you know, what the final score is. Um, and they did cover um, North Texas loses to Louisiana Tech 24 to 17. Um, I've talked about a lot. Um, on whether it's on the podcast or on Twitter or anything. Uh, since the Louisiana Tech game in 2018, North Texas was, I believe it was 8-25-1 and one against the spread in its last 34 games coming into last night. Man. But North Texas did cover uh, last night, so, you know, improved that up to nine wins. And it didn't look like they were gonna cover, going to cover early. Um, Louisiana Tech jumps out to a 24-0 lead. North Texas scores a touchdown late, um, which – Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it a defensive penalty that put them in a uh, position to score? It uh, was. It was. So they were on, I think they were at like third or fourth down or something, you know, inside the LaTeX red zone. They end up missing on the play, but there's some kind of defensive penalty. I don't remember what it was. It, was. it might have been PI or something or yeah. holding. Yeah. Uh, so. But yeah, that gave them four more downs and they eventually punched it home. So yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. Um, so yeah, then. They cut the 24-7 at halftime, and credit to the defense. The defense continued to play well. They didn't allow a single point after the 10-minute mark of the second quarter. So we're talking after the first 20 minutes for the last 40 minutes of the game, they didn't allow a single point. And North Texas offense, while continuing to struggle and you know not really impress, it managed 10 points, and it managed to get the team back in the game and give them a chance late. And then – at the very end, which I think is an appropriate ending, mm. um, <laughs> uh, North Texas gets the stop on third down, but then there is a penalty, and it is on Quinn Whitlock for a holding, correct? Yep. Yeah, it was for a Quinn Whitlock holding penalty, and it gave Louisiana Tech a fresh set of downs, and from there the game was pretty much over, and Louisiana Tech was able to just basically kneel it out. And – it just, it was so, so, it was so deflated because I honestly felt like, because we've talked about this before, this six game stretch that they're in is not going to get any easier. This was one, you come all the way back. You have to give yourself a chance to win this game. I feel like they did themselves a disservice and Quinn Whitlock honestly really messed up, messed it up, but they did themselves a disservice, not giving themselves a chance to win this game. Yeah. Well, and I mean, they did sort of get a chance after that. They ended up with the ball with like, I don't know, it was like a minute and a half left or something like that. But yep. they would have had the ball with much more time, could have really opened up the play by, playbook and used the run game, which was really the strong suit of the offense on the night, had they had that more time. So 
I agree with you. I think that play from Whitlock really, really cost them the game in essence. And I think, you know, not to rag on one guy in particular, but Quinn Whitlock did not look good all night. He had several bad plays that really hurt the defense in some crucial moments. And, um, you know, I agree with you. I think the main storyline I took away from this one was this was a huge missed opportunity. I mean, Louisiana Tech is missing their starting QB, Austin Kendall, due to medical reasons. I mean, the underlying assumption there is probably COVID, but I'm not yeah. going to, you know, say I know that for sure. The official reason is medical reasons. So they're without their starting quarterback. You know, the defense, like you said, holds the offense in check after that early, uh, you know, after those early spurts. And this offense just couldn't deliver. I mean, the passing game again, under 100 yards passing. I don't know how many times you could ever say that about a North Texas offense under Seth Luttrell, especially. So, I mean, to me, it's just a really badly missed opportunity. And even with how bad the pass offense was, they still had a chance at the end because the defense stepped up and the run game did. Yep. But at the end of the day, they couldn't get it done. So, man, like yes. you said, with, with the games coming up ahead, this was one they had to win. Yeah, I um, I did. I thought that they'd at least make an attempt to move the ball down the field in the, on that last drive. I thought they would at least, you know, get a few first downs and put themselves in position. But then as soon as this drive started, we just remembered it's like, oh, this offense has no pass game, literally yeah. no pass game. And I mean, to your point, I, I want to give defense credit because I think if you go into this game and you're like, all right, they hold Louisiana Tech to 24 points, they're, they're going to have a chance to win. And they were they did. So credit to the defense for doing that. Um, the first, you know, obviously 20 minutes were horrid, I think. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the last points that Louisiana Tech did score, and you mentioned in your recap, was the field goal where Louisiana Tech returned a punt down to the two. And, you know, instead of being 28-0, it ends up being 24-0, which at the time didn't look like it mattered, but it did end up mattering in the end. Yeah. And so I want to give them credit on that. That punt return just felt like it was the end of the game. Like that punt return for me was just, the, and that's when I tweeted out, this feels different than like in in years past, just because it felt like they'd stopped trying on that punt return. And credit to the defense, they did what they needed to do. They got stops. They, um, I don't think they forced turnovers, did they? Mm. Uh, they had one. Yeah, that's right, the fumble. Or well, the block punt and the fumble. So I'll give them both of them. Yeah, fair um, enough. So, yeah, I mean, they did what they were supposed to do. They gave the offense a chance, but as much praise as I want to give the, the defense, I just can't I just can't sit here and do that when the quarterbacks are 15 of 37 for 92 yards and one touchdown in a, in a, in a football game in 2021. No. Well, and the crazy part to me was, uh, I mean, obviously, Reuter struggles again. I think he got the first two drives again, gets pulled after going three of 10, and on he goes the rest of the way, and – Honestly, for, you know, the sort of the latter part of the first half, Ani looked solid. I think he ended up 9 of 12 at halftime passing. So he was at least hitting his targets, being efficient. And then in the second half, I, I was looking at the stats this morning. At one point, he had eight incomplete passes in a row, you know, starting at 11.05 in the third quarter, going to 9.18 in the fourth quarter. Eight incomplete passes in a Holy row. Holy crap. Oh, and, and that really just, I mean, I, didn't, I think that I didn't just know he started, I didn't know he started off nine of 12 in the first half. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. Cause it did feel like he played well early on. Like he was completing passes and moving the ball. I just did not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yep. Eight straight passes 
uh, from I don't from the eleven minute mark of the third quarter to the nine to the nine minute mark of the fourth quarter, basically. Yeah. Did not complete a pass. <laughs> yep. Oh my God, they don't have a quarterback, and I I kind of saw. So I I just don't think Rooters. I'm I'm done. I'm off of it. I'm off of it. I'm off of it. I was wrong, I guess, even though I still believe he's potential, you know, has the potential, whatever that means, uh, to be the better quarterback. Cause there was that one throw he had on the rollout where he just lasered it down the field. And I don't remember whose hands it was in, but they, they didn't catch it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, what was that? Like, that was amazing. And that's the arm talent that he has. Because he yeah. has some visible arm talent here. He can make some throws that are impressive. The touchdown against UAB, I thought, was impressive. That throw last night was impressive. But if he can't do it on a down-to-down basis, I you can't. You can't play him. You can't. And so maybe I was right about potential, quote-unquote. But potential means nothing if, if you can't execute on a down-by-down basis. And Austinani, while he might not have that big play ability as far as like the spectacular goes – um, and I don't think he's that much better on a play-by-play, you know, um, ability. I just, you know, he at least gives you a little bit of stability. Like we're, we're comparing two not good quarterbacks, but at least one can kind of execute the offense a little bit more consistently. So that's, that's what I have on the quarterbacks. I don't think this, this is a competition anymore. I think it's just Austin on It has to be. Yeah, no, I agree. I was saying a similar thing. I've got a group chat with some of my old friends at the North Texas Daily, some sports writer guys. And I said the same thing when Ani was on that hot stretch to start. I was like, I've seen enough. Ani needs to be the guy going forward because Reuter hasn't shown himself in the last two conference games to be able to accomplish anything. And really, I think the that sort of leads into another one of my storylines of the night, which was just the moment looked too big for these guys at times for some of the young and experienced guys on offense. I mean, obviously, Reuter, he struggled. He hasn't played much college football. Akeka Ragsdale had a big drop on fourth down along the sideline, had a chance to move the sticks and keep a drive going. Um, and there was another drop or two. And uh, even Reuter missed on some really good drawn-up plays where could have really shifted the game for him early and kept him in there, perhaps. So to me, I thought a lot of these young guys that were in, because of some of the injuries they're facing on offense, you know, some of them just didn't quite step up when they needed to. Uh I will say Akaika Ragsdale did have a solid game and showed some flashes, but I think he even got hurt at one point. It didn't look like he played after that drop pass, so I'm not sure entirely what that was about. But, yeah, I mean, overall, just, you know, didn't step up when needed to. The I mean, I, w- I want to talk about the running backs, but we'll start with the receivers um, because not having those three guys, Bush, Shorter, and Lorenzo Thompson – just completely has depleted this team of receiver talent. And coming into the year, we were like, all right, they got receivers, right? They're all gone. Like those three receivers being hurt has completely depleted the talent pool in this receiving room. And so now they're turning to Rod Burns, five receptions for 16 yards. Uh, Jason Pirtle, four receptions for 26 yards. And I actually thought Jason Pirtle played pretty well. Um, So shout out to him. Um, Bryson Jackson, two receptions for 20 yards. And again, a lot of this is on the quarterback, so I'm not going to put all this on the receivers. But, um, you know, if I'm a, if I'm assessing blame, it's probably like 70% or 65% quarterback and the rest to receivers, like as far as the passing. Oh, and then we'll get to the offensive line because actually we need to divvy that up way differently because the offensive line was god-awful, especially in the first half yesterday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, off uh, quarterback, bad. Offensive line, bad the receivers 
should be, if they were fully healthy, I think they would really alleviate a good amount of problems for this offense as far as just being a little more versatile, a little more diverse. But when you, you have Rod Burns, Jason Pertle, Bryson Jackson, Jake Roberts as your top four receivers in a game, like I, I, there's nothing really you can do. Like even if they got protection, even if the quarterbacks were solid and playing well, like I don't know how much higher the ceiling can go for this pass game because they just don't have arguably their three best receivers. And I like Deontay Simpson, but he obviously hasn't taken the significant step forward. Um, I, I think he's the best receiver they have right now, but you know, I don't think he's like all everything. He's not great. He's not Jair shorter. I don't even think he's Tommy Bush. So um, they're, they're really handcuffed with what they can do in the past game. So I, I think that is a little bit of a, a talent thing for as much as I want to get on the trail and Mike Blesh and all them for, you know, the offense being completely awful and it is partially on them, but the, 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 the guys just can't make any plays that quarterback offensive line receiver, like the, the pass game is abysmal and there's enough blame for everybody right now. No, I a hundred percent agree. And I don't know how much that is really going to be able to be fixed going forward. I had, uh, you know, caught a little snippet of a quote from Latrell that I thought was kind of telling uh, in the post-game radio broadcast where he said, uh, obviously they got the bye week coming up. So he said, we'll get the guys back that are nicked and injured. But uh, obviously there's some guys out for the season we won't see. And we haven't heard official word on some of these receivers. But I tell you what, the rumors going around on Bush and Shorter have not been good. And yeah. there, there's some reason to believe at this point those guys might not see the field the rest of the year. So these guys, they're going to have to find a way to make do with the receivers they have. And I mean, it doesn't look good at this point. And I feel like they're, they're trying to redshirt Caleb Johnson, uh, the star receiver that they got from, um, from uh, Greenville. Uh, so I don't think we'll see him, but where to Travian Brown, I feel like can get a lot of snaps. And I think he is getting some snaps and, you know, Damon Ward's out there, Deontay Simpson's out there, Bryson Jackson's out there, but it's like, they're probably the least of my concern, but they're still not good. Like, again, if yeah. I was assessing blame in the past game, disregard what I said earlier because I've completely forgot the offensive line. It's probably like <laughs> 50% quarterback, like 30% offensive line, and 20% receivers. Like, if I had to assess the blame in the past game, um, not including coaches, because I don't, yeah. I honestly, I don't think the coaching was that bad. I mean, there were some just god awful throws from, from Ruder and Ani. I just, <laughs> some awful decisions and at yeah. least Ani used his legs a little bit where he had 56 yards on nine carries and he got some first downs. Like that's what this team needs on offense because Lord knows they can't just draw back and pass. You have to be more diverse, versatile and uh, mix it up with a quarterback like that. So um, yeah, at least Austin Ani was able to, to run the ball a little bit, which I think segues into the run game, which I'm just going to give DeAndre Torrey all the flowers in the world. Like he, oh man, he is a workhorse. He's a very, very good back. He deserves all of the uh, record book stuff that he's going to get this year. I think I saw he's going to be third um, in rushing yards or something like that for, for a career. I think he's close to passing Jeff Wilson or something like that. Um, but yeah, whatever he does, man, he's playing injured. It's clear the past few games he has been hurt. He is not healthy. He is probably playing at 75% at most. And yet he's coming out here posting four and a half yards of carry on a 26 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown. And 
like you can just tell this is not the DeAndre Torrey we saw in the first two games of the season. So um, all credit to DeAndre Torrey. Like, thank you for helping this team and this offense because without him, I don't think they even score 10 points. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree. And I don't mean to toot my own horn too much, but coming into the game in my preview, in my preview piece, I, the first key to the game I wrote was the running backs having to step up because as we've seen against UAB, you're not going to get a lot out of the passing game, proven again against LaTeX. You're going to have to get a lot out of these running backs. And it's really, it's awful that they have to depend on that group so much because you already had Attaway injured coming into the season. Isaiah Johnson missed last game for some kind of injury. Didn't even hear about that until the broadcaster said something. And then Akaika Ragsdale, he had a solid game, but even he might have got banged up a little in this one. So they end up getting Iowa Day out there late in the game, making his college debut. And it's like, I mean, shout out to DeAndre Torrey, like you said. I mean, one of the toughest football players I've ever seen. I mean, he's what, 5'7"? Yeah. But he might be the toughest guy on this entire team. Yeah. No, he's 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 incredible. And, I mean, 241 rushing yards. Uh, to have a game where you almost have three times as many rushing yards as passing yards is um, very telling about what this team is and just what they can do. Uh, they're going to have to be a low-scoring defense team this year to have any chance. They're going to have to hold teams to 24 or less points in every single game to have any sort of hope. And um, it's going to be DeAndre Torrey. It's basically just going to be DeAndre Torrey. Uh, I think they continue to let Austin Ani try to run as much as he wants. Just be like, hey, man, we we can't throw the ball here. So just if you see a lane, just run. Take your five yards. Take your four yards. Take your how many yards they give you. Just run it, Austin. So um yeah, I that's that's all I have on the offense. I don't the offensive line I didn't think was very good at all in the first half. I thought they got a little better once the offense started running the ball more and they looked more comfortable in that regard. But pass protection wise, they were just god awful. All of them. Every single one. I I'll go. I I'm not gonna go back and look at you know. Oh, maybe this guy had a little better game than that other guy. No, it's a whole unit. Cole Brown, Jacob Rammer, most Manasse Mose. I all of them, all of them. No, the offensive line was just abysmal against Louisiana Tech, and I knew Louisiana Tech had a good defense, right? I knew they had weapons on defensive line, but there's no reason why you should be knocked on your butt like that, and you should just get panicked. I mean, just killed just killed on the offensive line, which is a real shock to me because I thought the offensive line, which is the healthiest unit by far on this team, oh, yeah. or at least on this offense, they, they can't, they can't do anything. So I, it's just more trouble for, for this offense. And that's, I mean, that's the last thing I have on this offense. Do you have anything else? Well, yeah. I mean, I got one more thing on the offensive line, which, I mean, you talked about being the healthiest unit. Jacob Brammer went down late in the game with some kind of injury on the sideline as well. So even some of the standout guys on that unit might be gone soon uh, or, you know, missing some time. I have no idea how severe Brammer's injury is. And with all the craziness at the end of the game, I didn't see if he got a chance to get back in. But, I mean, yeah, you've got freshman Gabe Blair made his first start last week. I mean, you've got just a lot of guys that really have to be able to work better together because, yeah, coming into the season, we thought this offensive line could be one of the strong suits uh, of the offense. And, you know, allow that run game to really be a key part of what they did. And, you know, the run game was still solid, but I mean, the pass protection, like you said, was just abysmal. And I think that was part of the reason why Reuter struggled early and why yeah. had some struggles too. Yeah. All right. Let's move to the defense here because this is obviously a lot more uh, positive. Uh, however, 
it was a rough start, right? They come out and they let Louisiana Tech just march down the field, score on four of their first five drives. Uh, that's when they scored all 24 of their points. And the first few drives and the touchdowns that they did score were, I mean, whether it was busted coverages, I mean, just big plays, like all the things that we've become used to seeing from this North Texas defense. And then in the second half, they just flipped. And so in the first half, the thing that stood out to me and that was really concerning was that it felt like they had just, it felt like they lost hope in a sense, Like they were just sending like seven, like six or seven guys on blitzes and just zero blitzing every time it felt like. And I was like, what is this? So like, why are we, why are y'all doing this? Like, and then Quinn Whitlock's over here getting burned. Can't, can't match up for like two seconds because they're on a zero blitz and his dude just gives him one moves and, and shakes him. Um, and the blitzes aren't hitting and Louisiana tech is just in complete control. And then that goal line stop, I think really changed things. And then from that point on, they were able to um, assert themselves. And I mean, you look at the drive chart from after the first half, you're five plays for 12 yards, six plays for 18 yards, six for 12, six for 22, uh, 10 for 44. And they missed a field goal. And um, that was it. So the defense really locked down and I'm glad that Phil Bennett adjusted. I think that was the big thing at halftime. He adjusted and to his credit, um, he really, put these guys in good positions to stop the run and um, contain the pass better. However, I think this Louisiana tech offense was obviously limited by the absence of their quarterback. So, you know, I don't know if Louisiana tech's offense should have warranted even 24 points against this North Texas defense, because I think talent wise, North Texas defense is better, but you know, they at least gave the, the offense a chance, which, you know, if I'm grading this defense, I can't give them like an A or, you know, a B plus or anything like that just because of how awful the first two quarters were. But, um, you know, you, you can justify giving them like a B minus or a C plus or something. So that, that that's what I got on, on the defense. I'm kind of uh, not not I don't want to give them too much praise because I don't oh, know. Yeah. I think they, they could have easily held this team to like 17, 14 points. I agree. And that's the thing where. I've tried to be positive with this defense at the start because they have, they've shown so many good signs here. They've shown the ability to slow teams down at times. You know, they had the seven points allowed to SMU in the first half, none allowed to La Tech in the second half. But at the end of the day, you know, I think I have to be a little harsh with these guys because they've still given up those big plays, man. They gave up the big play touchdown pass. I believe it was Upton Stout got burned on that one. And then, I mean, it's just like, at some point, these guys have to come out ready at the start of a game, right? They did against SMU, but they didn't against UAB. They didn't against La Tech. You, you can't get in a hole early like this with the offense they have because the offense isn't high, high powered enough to bring them all the way back, as we've seen. So, I mean, I was, I, I, I had, you know, some positives because these guys have showed promise, but I, I'm tired of being too positive about these guys when really – at the end of the day, they haven't gotten it done well enough, I don't think. So I agree with you. I think a C plus or a B minus is fair, but they've still got to get a lot better, I think, to give these guys a chance to win some of these games. Yeah, and the defense needs to realize, just like the offense did for the past five years or whatever it was under Seth Petrell, uh, the offense for the past five years was like, all right, we're not going to get any help from the defense. We have to go score 40. You know, the defense now needs to understand the offense can't help us, so we have to play perfect 
from the start yeah. of the game to the end of the game. This isn't what Phil Bennett signed up for either. Phil, Phil Bennett signed up for this to be the Baylor 2.0 stint for him, right? Where he was just out there holding teams to 30 and then winning 35 to 30. That's what he signed up for. And, you know, to paraphrase his words, obviously he wants to be better than that. But still, you get what I'm saying. This isn't that. This is not that. No. This is this is now he has to come in and coach the best you know on the team, the defense, and hold teams like Louisiana Tech, like Missouri in two weeks, like UAB should have been held. You have to hold all those teams to 21 points. Yeah. You have to. You just you have to. To give this chance a team a chance to win, the defense has to be great from start to finish. And like you said, the frustrating part is that it seems like they're capable of being great, like a great Conference USA defense. And so for them not to capitalize on that potential for four quarters is frustrating. And Louisiana Tech might be the worst offense that they play in this six-game stretch here. Um because Marshall's over here putting up 30 points on App State. So, I mean, you know, that's not going to get any easier. Louisiana Tech, without their starting quarterback, is probably the worst offense you're going to play. And so to get back to an early point, they should have won this game. Like, if 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 they were on that level, if they have just – if they were – if they had started to realize their potential a little bit earlier, this they, they would win this game. But they don't. Yeah. And that's the thing with Seth Luttrell. That's the thing with – this defense, that's the thing with everybody on this team is that they just can't step up to the challenge. I joked and said that they covered the spread, which I think is a, I think the spread is a really good barometer for like, you know, the expectations of a game going into it. Like, yeah, I think Louisiana Tech should have been favored by two touchdowns. So in a sense, North Texas overachieved, right? But it's still a loss for Seth Latrell and it's still a performance that I think put takes him to now. Oh, I have a really good step for this, actually. Let me, let me, let me pull this up. Um, here I'll let, I'll let you talk about the the, the defense while I uh, pull up the stat. If you have anything, yeah, man, no, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Where it's like uh, under Seth Luttrell, these guys have they've won the games they're supposed to win, and they've lost the games they're supposed to lose. Right? They haven't been able to find ways to win games where they're not favored or win games. You know, they haven't even won some games they were supposed to win. To be honest with you, but they really haven't won the games they weren't supposed to for the most part. So. I mean, you just, you do, you need more out of this team in games like this. They got to be able to step up and win some of these, you know? I mean, you think of the Arkansas win maybe as a big win. They've beaten SMU once, but it's like they haven't been able to consistently win some of these games where they're not necessarily favored. Those two wins you named were both in like a three-week stretch too, like in 2018. Like that was like the the peak. That was the pinnacle there. Um, Yeah, so now with this, loss uh since the liberty game in 2018 they are now one and 15 as underdogs oh man one and 15 as underdogs as any underdog you know one point underdogs 14 point underdogs whatever it is one and 15 and the one win was last year against middle tennessee which i just maintained that was the worst spread i've ever seen in my life (laughs) after watch like i watched middle tennessee uh, play fiu and i was like this team is awful Oh my gosh, how is this team favored against North Texas? Like, I know North Texas isn't good, but this Middle Tennessee team is awful. So, that was their one win as an underdog. It's in the past yeah. uh, 16 games, they've been, they've been underdogs. Uh, that's just, I mean, it just shows. So, yeah, they covered the spread, but this, this Louisiana Tech team without their starting quarterback, which wasn't factored into the spread, um, 
shouldn't should not have have been able to win this game. But here we are talking about another North Texas loss and probably against probably the worst team that they're going to play in this six game stretch. So um, that was disappointing uh, to get into more specifics of the defense. Um, you know, the Murphy brothers are an interesting topic because mm. on one hand, they're so talented. They're so good. Like they're just, they're great. They're amazing. Um, on the other hand, you get these sequences like last night where uh, I think it was Grayson Murphy jumped off sides first, gave him a free first down on a third and four or something like that. And then on the next play, Grayson Murphy or the other Murphy jumps off sides. And then, and it looked like they like both jumped off sides yeah. and giving them another five, uh, five yards. They LaTeX did not end up scoring on the drive, but you're just watching that and you're like, at some point, because this is these are the same guys who get personal foul penalties, same guys um, who jump off sides consistently in games. Like these are guys that have cost this team already. Like I I don't have the the uh, penalty totals in front of me, but I don't think there's many players with more penalties than these two. And so yeah, you're great, you're awesome, you're super talented, cool. But what's going to win this team games? It's not going to just be being talented because we've seen that, right? We've seen this team have talent and not win games. What's going to win this team games is execution, discipline, and locking in for every single snap and executing and not giving away free, free first downs like they did. Like, even though it didn't result in points, it doesn't matter. It's not about the result. It's about the process. And these Murphy brothers are extremely talented. I'll say it again. They're great. I thought they had a really good game last night. You can't have these. You can't have these penalties. You can't have these these flare up moments of anger, whatever they are. You have to lock in a little bit. So, um, yeah, they're they're talented. I, I love them as as players, but this is just something I think Phil Bennett and the coaching staff needs to address. Like, you're shooting the, your own defense in the foot here. No, I 100% agree. I mean, those guys have to play more disciplined because they're too talented not to have them on the field. But if they're going to keep committing penalties like that where they shoot you in the foot, I don't see how you necessarily can have them on the field because crucial situations, these guys time and time again have committed those costly penalties and really held this defense back from being even better than, you know, they have shown at times. And I think they need to take a lesson from some guys who did have a good game last night, like Larry Nixon, who stepped up in his second game. Great all year and had 12 tackles, 10 solo, you know, one tackle for a loss and a QB hit KD Davis, eight tackles, three for a loss. I mean, some of these guys really stepped up in a big way on that defensive side of the ball. And you, you need that level of urgency and that level of attention to detail from the Murphy twins as well, because they're super talented and they can really take this defense to another level. If they can play to the level they're expected to play and not commit stupid penalties like that. Yeah, I mean, and again, they're you can make an argument that the best two de- players on the te- on the defense, you can make an argument that the best two players on the team if you wanted to. Like, that's how good they are. And they are and they are making plays, but um <clears throat> the little things will continue to hurt them and that's what this defense is right now is the little things are continuing to kill them, right? Whether it's big plays, yep. whether it's slow starts, um I mean, what was I wish I had the first half stats in front of me compared to the second half. Let me see. Here we go. Uh, first half, Louisiana Tech, 24 points, um, 51 rushing yards, 12 of 17 passing, 
215. I was looking for third third downs, four or seven in the first half for Louisiana Tech. And that's really when the game was was lost, right? Like in the first half. So yeah. <clears throat> it's it's I thought, you know, Dionoville was 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 solid. Caleb Colvin, I thought, had a solid game. Um and I mean Quinn Whitlock, I thought was by far the worst player on the field for the defense. I thought he oh, just man. played awful. Just um, awful. Gaddy. I wasn't overly impressed with um, Kyle Sanders was, was fine. <clears throat> Any, anybody else? I'm trying to think. I mean, even Upton Stout had some moments, but then he also was the one that yeah. got beat for that big yep. play touchdown. So really he wasn't that impressive either. Um, trying to think, uh, I think it was Rod Brown, the freshman that actually had the forced fumble. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, coming up when he needed to, when that defense really needed a turnover, cause they got eight through the first two games and then nothing against UAB. So they were fifth in the nation coming into this game, despite getting no turnovers against UAB came up with one when they needed it. I like the Dion Noville pick cause he hasn't put up huge counting stats this year, but he's made big plays in several of these games. I mean, the blocked punt from him, you know, that's a close to 300 pound, that's you know, incredible. if not more than 300 pound defensive lineman getting all the way back there to block a punt. I mean, you just don't see that. That's just a great hustle play out of him. And, you know, he's finding ways to contribute to this team, even when all the counting stats don't necessarily show it. Yeah, no, that was, that was an incredible play. I couldn't yeah. believe him. Just the way he can move is, is, is crazy. And uh, I do, I mean, he hasn't got the counting stats, but a lot of the reason he came back this year was to get those counting stats. So that's little, you know, um, for his draft stock, at least, I, I wish you would get a little bit more of those uh, TFLs and whatnot. So, you know, maybe in, in the future. One last thing, I think, I mean, because I don't have anything else on defense. Do you have anything on defense? Um, trying to think if there's anything. No, I think I pretty much hit on all of it. I did want to shout out. I don't remember if we did, but uh, Damon Ward had his first career catch and it ended up going for a touchdown. So I wanted to shout him out for that. Um, yeah. And that was a big fourth down play where Ani just found him in the end zone and, you know, came through that got him within a score. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of those young guys that's stepping up same way to Trayvon Brown did the last week, getting the only touchdown for North Texas is right. So yeah. a couple guys that got their first career catches, first career touchdowns, you're going to need more out of those guys with the injuries across the receiver position. Yep. All right. One more thing here before we wrap it up, North Texas went and correct me if I'm wrong. No, it is. Oh, of six on fourth downs. Yep. And four of those fourth downs were in Louisiana tech territory and yep. then they had one fumble in on the Louisiana Tech 33. So we're talking about five drives in the Louisiana Tech territory that ended at the 40, 33, 36, 36, 48, and uh, uh, 30. Okay, no, I got these wrong. But yeah, basically they had five drives ending in Louisiana Tech territory. Four of those were, were fourth downs, and then they had two other fourth down attempts that were nothing. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on the fourth down um, ineptitudeness? I don't know what the word is. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what word to use either because that's just how it's been, you know, almost this entire season. But I think the crazy stat to me was like, that's only the second time I think this has happened all year across all of college football. I think Coastal Carolina – their defense did that to somebody else too. I saw somebody tweet that out and I just thought that really hammered at home. Yeah. Against Kansas, you know, another team with a former North Texas quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Jason. (laughs) So, I mean, I just don't, I don't understand. I mean, I understand how this offense can struggle with the receivers and the injuries and all of that, but I don't understand how they can be this bad because 
probability says you shouldn't go that bad on fourth <laughs> down. I mean, statistically, you should at least get a couple of those converted, right? Right, right. right. It's I mean, like it's just it's inexplicable. Like you have, let's say they were all like, let's just average them out to like fourth and three. Like let's say it was fourth and three every single time. Yeah. Um, you know, you have six chances to convert a fourth and three, basically, let's say. And, you know, weren't able to, I know the last play of the game was, or the fraud from North Texas was what, fourth and six, I think it was something, something like, that. like that. Yeah. And um, obviously, and I just realized once it was fourth and six, like on the last drive, I was just like, this game is over. Like they have literally no chance at converting this fourth and like six or whatever it was like they, they just don't. And so the offense, I, I can't, I can't believe it. I can't believe we're at this point. I never thought I'd see the day under Seth, the trail team where the offense was actually awful, like legitimately yeah. awful. Like, like I, you might have a better offense than them. Like you, you like, I go to like Southern Miss isn't good, right? But they might have a better offense. So it's like, do they have the worst offense in Conference USA? Like FIU's over here putting up 30 on Central Michigan. Like, I don't know if North Texas could put up 30 on Central Michigan. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say because I never thought I'd see the day where this North Texas offense is one of the worst in Conference USA. Legitimately. So that's when it, Sometimes I say things and whenever I say them, it just hits me. And I'm just like, this, that's incredible. That is incredible. So I, I don't know what to say. I mean, you know, by week next week. Um, and they'll, they'll go from there. Missouri Mount Marshall Liberty next three games. Yeah. No, I, I tell you what, I just pulled up the, <clears throat> the conference USA stats and North Texas offense is 12th in conference USA and scoring at 19.8 points per game. Uh, the defense is seventh allowing 28.3 per game. Let's go to some of the counting numbers. So total offense, North Texas is ninth at 396 yards. Because they had, uh, those, because they had a 500-yard game against SMU and put up 12 points. Yeah. Jesus. And, and they've got the top rushing offense in Conference USA right now, which is really crazy. I mean, mostly on the back of that huge game in, against Northwestern State, but still. Yeah. Um, and then passing. They're 11th in Conference USA at 189.3 yards. So only Rice, ODU, and Southern Miss are lower than that. God, those are three of the worst teams. Like those three teams you just named, Old Dominion, Southern Miss, and uh, who was the other one? Uh, Rice. Rice. Man, Old Dominion and, and Southern Miss especially are probably two of the five worst teams in the country for FBS. And those might be the only two teams in North Texas is better than as far as offensively goes. Um, well, and you want to talk about the team that's right above them in passing offense, UAB's 10th at 222.8. And North Texas allowed 40 points to those guys. Yeah. Uh, you, I, I don't, I don't want to rant, but there's, there's been a trend, you know, over college football, I think this year that, you know, top end quarterbacks have been kind of hard to come by a lot of, in a lot of ways, right. We've seen, and even like the quote unquote good quarterbacks, you know, Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler, Clemson, uh, DJ, um, you know, you go down the list of the quarterbacks that are supposed to be, you know, decent. They've all struggled. And a lot of the top teams are struggling at quarterback, you know, AM, Arkansas. I mean, just a lot of them. So, and yet we're watching teams like UAB and Louisiana Tech win games without that quarterback, right? Yep. Liberty has that quarterback. So, you know, credit to them. Uh, but Marshall is winning with Grant Wells at quarterback. They're fighting with App State, and 
I mean, then you go down the list. I mean, UTEP's quarterback's not great. They're winning games. UTSA still has Frank Harris at quarterback, and they're over here beating Memphis on the road. So, yeah, quarterback play is bad for North Texas, but there's a lot of other factors going into this that other than just the, the quarterback play here. So I don't want to yeah. – I don't want to short any blame here because I think there's plenty of blame for Seth Luttrell and this coaching staff uh, because for not finding answers because there's a lot of teams in the country that don't have quarterbacks and yet are still finding ways to win games. So Well, and yeah, I tell you what, even at the quarterback position, you want to talk about the guy Louisiana Tech was missing, Austin, Ken- Austin Kendall. He's had a solid year so far. And uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me is I had heard, heard some rumblings around North Texas that Kendall was one of the guys they looked at as well, but ended up deciding on Reuter because he had more years of eligibility. And that decision is really not looking great right now because Kendall has at least looked serviceable this year, if not, you know, an above average quarterback. Yep. While Reuter has looked like, you know, maybe the worst quarterback in Conference USA. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I had one more point, but I don't remember it, so I won't hold anybody up. Um I mean, expectations for the next three games, Missouri, Marshall, Liberty. I mean, I don't see how you can pick anything other than three losses at this point. I mean, maybe you can get in the game with Marshall, but you're not beating Liberty or Missouri with the team as they are currently. Yep. Um, And that, I mean, coming into the year, I I remember what we were were talking when we were talking about counting stats and just how, oh man, last year was so, people were just so, delusional last year man (laughs) like it's like north texas had a top seven offense in the country top whatever offense in in like the best offensive conference USA, this and that and while yes it was true like yeah they could score points in theory i just don't understand what some of y'all are watching i don't like last year you look at that team and say that's a top 10 offense in the country in the country in the country like not even like if you want to say the top five in conference, you say, cool. I, that's probably where I'd have it like top five, but are we really like celebrating last year, like 35 points against SMU when you gave up 65, like 31 points against Southern miss, like 21 points against Charlotte. Then you 52 against middle Tennessee. Like some people don't understand you're playing in conference USA here. And so if you're not near the top or at the top of every statistical category and showing it against non-conference teams, you can't, you're just not that good. You're not. So a 17 point out against UTSA, 27 points against Rice, uh, 31 points against Louisiana Tech, 45 points against UTEP in a complete shootout, 28 points against App State. Does that sound like a top 10 offense in the country? Does that sound like a top 50 offense in the country? No. no. But And also we have to remember half of those damn points were Jalen Darden. Yep. So coming into this year, I don't know. Again, I expected the offense to be fine, but I went back and I tweeted, I quote tweeted a bunch of tweets, I think two weeks ago saying that, or no, it was last week. What I said over the off season, Jalen Darn was the offense last year. The coaching staff deserves very little credit for the success of last year because it goes back to what I said last week. I mean, what is this all coaching stuff without Jalen Darden? What is this coaching stuff without Mason fine? We're finding out. And I said, like I said, a lot of teams are winning games without quarterbacks. UAB is coming over here, putting up 40 points against North Texas without a great quarterback, without great receivers. Yep. I mean, Marshall's putting up 30 on the road at app state. I believe it was on the road um, against app state without a great quarterback, Grant Wells. Like what? 
I mean, they don't even have a great. I mean, they have a good. Uh, no, no, their running back is really good. I'll give them that. But yeah, you, you, uh, UTSA thirty-one points against Memphis. Against Memphis, I think that's as many points as Mississippi State scored against Memphis. Yeah, like probably. That's that's that that's it. That's all I gotta say. But that people are del- just delusional, and you know, seeing just remembering when everybody was like, "Man, this offense in a few years is gonna be great." When they have, you know, Deontay Simpson, Jaya Shorter, grown up, and I mean, Jaya Shorter's obviously been hurt. I think he's a great player, but still, I mean, there's no depth. There's no foundation to an off to this offense. Uh, the quarterback development is obviously the most staggering thing. They've been unable to do that, and. I just there's there's no words I can have for just the disappointment in this offense. It's it's awful. It's just awful. No, I, I completely agree. I don't I don't think there's anything else to say. I think, yeah, you really hit the nail on the head there where it's just like there's no reason this offense should be this bad. There just isn't. I mean, you gotta put it on absolutely everybody, but at the end of the day, you're right. There's other teams in conference USA who are finding ways to get stuff done and you know, win in probably what the ninth or 10th best conference out of 11 conferences. I mean, it's, it's not top six or seven. Yep. So, I I mean, I don't understand how you can't at least have an offense good enough to win in this league. Yep. I mean, you know, middle Tennessee and Charlotte found themselves in a shootout 42 to 39 over there. (sighs) Teams are scoring points enough at the conference USA level. And, um, you know, North Texas has been left in the dust. I think schematically and personnel wise, they are just not on. I mean, just they scored 12, 6, and 17 their last two games. Yeah. <laughs> that is incredible. That is incredible. And it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. Missouri Marshall Liberty coming up after the bye week. We'll have plenty of bye week content for y'all, John. We'll have y'all covered from top to bottom with the latest and uh, feature stories and all that good stuff. Sometimes the media availability is cut off, though, for the bye week. So I don't know how North Texas is going to do it this year. Uh, but yeah. typically they don't have interviews. So we'll supplement that with other stuff throughout the week. Maybe we'll do a Q&A podcast next week. Uh, maybe we'll t- take a look at basketball as well. You know, maybe we'll get, you know, touch on some other stuff. So, um, but yeah, that's all. That's all we had for y'all today. Uh, tried to keep this shorter, but it ended up still going, you know, 50 minutes, 45 minutes. But hey, you know, got nothing else to do on throughout the week. Well, we hope you enjoy it. Uh, enjoy the bye week, everybody. You know, get some much needed mental rest and uh, separation. Watch some other college football. Yeah, watch uh, some good teams. Yeah, yeah, watch some. Watch some... God damn, John. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel uh, really harsh saying that, but it's no, just reality at this point. No, you just just leave it. It's it's done. It's done. That's that's Colin would say that too. It's it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Uh, enjoy y'all's weekend. Uh, check out Mean Green 24-7 for all of your North Texas content. We appreciate y'all's support on this podcast and on our platform. And we'll talk to y'all later.